While out visiting his parishioners one afternoon, a pastor went to a particular house and knocked on the door and got no response. But he was annoyed because he could tell someone was inside. He heard little noises that indicated someone was in there. So he knocked again, and after the third time in frustration, he left. But before he did, he took out one of his business cards, and he wrote a little note on it. And here's what he said. He wrote Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. So on Sunday, as the parishioners were leaving the church and going out the front door, the woman who refused to answer the door that day just simply handed him her card. And it said Genesis 3.10. He knew it had to do something with the story of the Garden of Eden, but he couldn't remember exactly the verse. And so after everyone was gone, he went back to his study And he looked it up, and it read, I heard thy voice in the garden and was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. (laughs) Had I been that pastor, I would have felt like a real ding-a-ling. But you know, I don't have to be like anyone else to feel like a -a ding-a-ling. I do dingy things every now and then, and perhaps you do too. Have you ever done something in what seemed like a former lifetime that at the time was so embarrassing and you tried to pretend it would just go away, but now in retrospect you can laugh at yourself because you're able to share it in good humor? Just um, about 10 days ago, I was in the office with the staff, and we were sharing a few stories, and I remembered one from many, many years ago, and it was in a previous lifetime. While serving a former congregation, one day I pulled into the church parking lot, and next to me was another parishioner, and I jumped out of the car because I wanted to talk to him, and I locked the door, closed it, and all of a sudden realized the car was still running. This was back before smart cars and cell phones and all those things. And so Michelle was away for the whole day, so I had no way of getting a hold of her. And I went inside to the office, and I told my staff what had happened, and they tried to contain their laughter. Um, And I got a, you know, the old wire uh, hanger, and I went out and tried to get in through the door to see if I could get the the door knob to unlock, and of course I couldn't get it. After five minutes, I went back inside, and someone suggested I go try a different door on the car. Uh, Now it's been 15 minutes, the car's still running, and I go around to the passenger side, and the door is unlocked. (laughs) So when I went in and told the staff what happened at that point, there was an avalanche of laughter, and uh, well, anyways. Um, So um, I just think that The church is a place, hopefully, where we can laugh at ourselves and not take ourselves too seriously. But there are some things that are not laughing matters. The recent shootings, from Central Michigan University to the high school in Florida to Las Vegas 
churches where people come in and randomly shoot people. Sutherland, Texas, Charleston, South Carolina, just to name a few. You see, people of faith are not exempt from the tragedies and turmoil and violence that we find in the world around us. People who, for whatever reasons, go over the edge and do something catastrophic. And religion, unfortunately, religion can sometimes play in into it in ways that we will never fully understand. Religion can be used for good, for ill, and for the bizarre. And it can create some real dinglings. And this phenomenon cuts across all different faith traditions. The world is moving and changing so fast these days. And just when you think you can count on something, like the bumper sticker that says, I break for animals, or I break for children, or I actually break for traffic signals, comes this one, this bumper sticker that said, I break for no apparent reason. <laughs> now, what kind of dingling would do that? But now as it's time to focus on our gospel lesson for this morning, we need to acknowledge that there are many people who break in their prayer lives for no apparent reason. And if we are honest, we could at times count ourselves among those. I know I get caught trying to do everything on my own, and that's why I love this story about the small boy who was trying to lift a heavy stone in the backyard, but he couldn't budge it. And his father, passing by, just stopped to watch his efforts for a while. And finally, he said to his son, Are you using all your strength? Yes, I am, the boy said, exasperated. No, the father said calmly, you're not. You have not asked me to help you. Jesus knew that we don't always use the resources that are available to us that we put the brakes on, as it were, in our prayer life. And so he gave the disciples an example of how we ought to pray, and we say it every Sunday, with the Lord's Prayer. And then, immediately following, he shares the story of our lesson that Bob read for us. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he'll answer from within, don't bother me. The door is shut, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. If that were me, after being startled from sleep, I would think to myself, what dingling is ringing the doorbell at this time of night? But Jesus tells us, dinglings that we are, to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, and to keep on knocking, for the door will be open to us. Could it be that we are dinglings who simply don't ask enough? John Henry Jowett the British preacher who ministered at Fifth Presbyterian Church in New York City from 1911 to 1918, so exactly a hundred years ago. He returned to his native land to accept the pulpit at Westminster Chapel, London, 
And he once told of making a call on a parishioner in his little furniture repair shop by the sea, and the preacher sat down by the workbench and watched the man at his work, listening to the steady beat of the hammer, and little by little the monotony of the work and the narrowness of the shop and the dimness of the light began to depress him. And at length the preacher said, Friend, why doesn't it bother you to work in such a confining place? And sweeping the dust off himself, he replied, and he reached over, and he opened the door. He said, when I get to feeling bothered like that, Pastor, I open the door, and glancing out the doorway, the two men found themselves staring out over the open fields and beyond to the endless sea. Dr. Jowett said that immediately the little room was glorified by the larger view. The vastness of its relationship to the fields, the sky, and the rolling seas, and to the Creator. The immediate surroundings that seemed so confining and bothersome were banished by opening the door to the full range of creation of life. I love that phrase. The full range of creation and life. Friends, prayer is like that door with all its opening possibilities. So let's return to our text and see what Jesus is saying about prayer. Yes, we are to keep on asking, to keep on seeking and knocking. But let's not make the mistake of thinking God is like the neighborly neighbor, unneighborly neighbor, who doesn't want to be bothered and have to open the door. That neighbor is more like us. God is like the father who, when asked for a fish, doesn't give a serpent, and when asked for an egg, doesn't give a scorpion. God is like that, only more so. In the first sequence, the friend asking for bread is doing so because he had a friend who came to him who was on a journey. Journeys, Jesus, Jerusalem, and you. And it is not coincidental that he asks for three loaves. Ask, seek, knock. Three is that wonderful whole biblical number. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. At the end of our text, Jesus says, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see, God in prayer gives us not what we want, but what we need. Jesus didn't say, what father among you, if his son asked for a serpent or a scorpion? No. Three tangible things are asked for. In the first instance, it is bread. Yet, each one of these is symbolically significant. Bread is the nourishment of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Give us this day our daily bread. Soon we will share in communion. The nourishment of the symbol of bread is so strong in communion. Not the small cube that we will take. Not much nourishment there physically, but oh, spiritually. The fish was the early symbol of the Christian faith and life. They would greet each other by drawing it in the sand. And the egg is the symbol for birth and life. So if you ask for bread and fish, and an egg, you're asking for birth and life 
and nourishment in the Christian faith. Prayer is like the doorbell of faith. It opens us to the full range of creation and life. Alfred Lord Tennyson once observed, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. In prayer, we need a persistent hunger for all that God can offer. We are to be persistent. We are to keep on knocking, like the neighbor in our text. Prayer is not sophisticated contemplation. It is, sim- it is simply asking, seeking, and knocking. The Lord's Prayer that Jesus himself taught is filled with asking. In his book, Reality and Prayer, John McGee writes, the fundamental pattern of petition is the conscious offering of our needs and desires to God, allowing God to purify and mature them, and then trusting God totally with the results. Be persistent, Jesus says, not because God has to beat you over the head 25 times to that we have to beat God over the head 25 times for him to hear us, but because we have to beat upon the door of our own hearts so that God can get through to us. Nothing is beyond the doorbell of prayer except that which is outside the will of God. True prayer is an act of exploration which seeks to discover God's will and to submit to it. An Archbishop of Paris stood in the pulpit of Notre Dame Cathedral. He was there to preach the sermon, and his whole sermon was built around a story. Thirty years ago, he said, thirty years ago, three young tourists came into this cathedral. They were rough, rude, cynical men who thought all religion was a racket. Two of them dared a third to go into the confession box and make a bogus confession to the priest. They dared him to do it. They bet him that he didn't have the nerve, but to win the bet, he did. The young man tried to fool the old priest, but the priest knew what he was hearing was a lie. He listened to the false confession, sensed the arrogance and the attitude, and said, very well, my son, every confession requires a penance, and this will be yours. I ask you to go into the chapel, stand before the cross and Jesus on the cross, look into the face of the crucified Christ and say, all this you did for me, and I don't care a damn. Well, the young man swaggered out of the confessional to his friends to claim the bet, but they insisted that before they paid him, he had to follow through on the penance. He went into the chapel He looked into the face of Christ and he began, All this you did for me and I, and I, and he couldn't finish. It began for him a painful experience that changed his life and finally brought him into the priesthood. And the archbishop, telling the story, leaned over the pulpit and he said, That young man was this young man, this old man who stands before you now. It was his own story. His own story. That was a dingling who discovered God's will through an unexpected doorbell and submitted to it.
Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, dingalings, and persistence. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let that one ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproaching, and it will be given. Dingalings and doorbells. In prayer. All, as in all life, we are to keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Not for what we want, but for what God knows we need. And so I want to close again by sharing words of Tennyson captured when he wrote about Ulysses. We are not now that strength which in old days moved heaven and earth. That which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will, to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Be persistent in prayer. Dingalings and doorbells. Dingalings that we are. But thanks be to God that we have the doorbell of prayer in which God opens to us and through us the full range of creation and life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.